Well, amen. We serve an amazing God, and we are so excited about all that he is doing in your life here this morning. Happy Easter and happy Resurrection Sunday from the Way Bible Church. We're so glad that you've joined us here this morning. Right now, we got our children's directors ready at the back, so any kids that are kindergarten through fifth grade, if you want to make your way on back, we know that God has an awesome message in store for you this morning. Y'all give our kids a good hand clap of praise this morning. Man, it is awesome to be in the house of God with you here this morning on Resurrection Weekend. And so if you would begin to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. John chapter 11, that's where we're going to start off with Scripture this morning. And hey, we got an awesome announcement that we want to make and tell you about this morning. On May the 23rd at 5 o'clock, we're kicking off a new group life, and it's going to be called Transformation Group Life. Transformation Group Life. Transformation, it operates under the belief that God has a distinct purpose for every one of our lives. If you know God's got a purpose for your life, give him a hand clap of praise this morning. Amen. And he, he ordained this purpose before time even began. 2 Timothy 1.9 says this. It says, He saves us and He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Now listen, with Transformation Group Life, our goal is not simply change. A lot of people want to come to church so they can change. We don't really want you to just get changed at TWBC. We want transformation to happen for you at TWBC. Because a lot of times, change can be done in our own willpower, our own thought processes, our own ability, our own obligations, our own things that we put in place. But transformation can only occur through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And if we limit ourselves to simply change and changing what's in our power to change, we limit God in his transformation power in what he really wants to change. And so we love this transformation group that's kicking off, and it's going to take place May 23rd at 5 o'clock right here in the worship center. And so we're excited about that. And so there are no limits on the transformation that God can do. Our goal is being transformed into all that God desires us and has willed for us. Our goal is discerning what that is and keeping ourselves in the right position for God to do what only God can do. And most churches, a lot of churches, start groups called recovery groups. Transformation group is going to be a group about transformation so if you need to recover from something good we want you to come and be transformed that's your recovery if everything is good in your life we want you to come and be transformed and listen to what transformation can do in your life if you okay in your life you need transformation if you're struggling with an issue or an addiction or an ism or something in your life you need transformation and so the power of God is here to transform lives in every way, shape, and form, and we want you to be a part of it, and it's going to kick off on May the 23rd at 5 p.m. and go till about 6.30. Some of our leaders for that group are John and Sue West. Could y'all stand up for me real quick? And Paul and Stephanie Pogue, they're the four couples or four people that are going to be leading out in that group right there. And so if you have any questions, you're welcome to meet with them after service today. Also put these two dates on your calendar. Everybody say June 30th. June the 30th, we've rented out uh, Splash Kingdom in Greenville that evening from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock for you and your family to come out and enjoy just a party with the church. We want to develop relationships. We want to grow. It's going to be kicking off our SummerSlam that week. It'll be June 30th, July 1st, and July 2nd. So to kick off SummerSlam, we want you and your whole family to come out to Splash Kingdom in Greenville. 
with us. It's going to be an amazing time. Definitely bring your swimsuits because it's going to be June in Texas. It's going to be hot. And let's just have a great time together in the kingdom of God. And then on August the 25th, we will be our Super Sunday. Hey, we're going to celebrate TWBC's 20th birthday on August the 25th. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? Amen. Y'all, TWBC's been doing this kingdom thing for 20 years now, and we're excited for what the next 20 and then the following 20 after that have in store and how God can use you in the midst of that. So put those dates on your calendar, May 23rd, June the 30th, and August 25th as we all celebrate together. And we're in a series right now called Flip Flop. Flip Flop, and it's not about summer and putting on flip flops. It's about a trend that's going through America today, and it's the trend where people can actually see a house that literally looks like it needs to be torn down and have eyes to see it differently, have a vision put in their heart about it, and they flip the flop of a house and make it something amazing. HGTV has made millions of dollars by ordinary people who can do extraordinary things when they see a house that is in the, the, the place of despair and see it with potential, bringing the right people at the right time with the right equipment to do the right things, and they flip it, and it becomes one of the most desirable houses on the block. We're going to read throughout this account this morning how Jesus has walked into a flop of a situation, but only the power of God can flip it to make it what Jesus wants it to be. And this relates to your life because what's going on in your life that you would view as the flop of a situation right now? Maybe your career's in a flop. Maybe your marriage is in a flop. Maybe your kids need to be flopped, right? Or flipped, one of the two, I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. Maybe your financial state is in a flop situation right now. And it's in such a place where only Jesus can come in and do what only Jesus can do and flip the situation and make it right again. And so we're going to talk about the account today um, in the Gospel of John, chapter number 11. And so the impact is for, for this series is for us to get the eyes of Jesus to have the heart of Jesus. So when we walk into an auditorium like this and we look around, we don't just look at people for surface value, but we literally see people with the eyes of Jesus, have a heart of compassion that Jesus has, and we help flip people right side up, even in our own church. Amen? It's when we go out into the community and we drive down the streets and we see a flop of a situation. A big flop of a situation in Northeast Texas is poverty. Many of you are thinking, I don't think it's that bad. Well, when 65% of our kids are on free or reduced lunches in our school system, it shows there's an economic problem in our area that the church has the power to flip right side up. We just got to begin to see it with the eyes of Jesus and with the heart of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the eyes of Jesus and the heart of Jesus is not get a job, right? That's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus may flip somebody's life around so they're qualified now to get a job. And you definitely need to get one if you can. But the heart of Jesus is not to call out the issue first. It's to flip the flop first. So when the issues are fixed, they can be who God has called them to be. Something happens when you flip it. Everybody say flip it. When you flip it, you go from a place of walking in theology or knowledge to walking in a place of authority or experience. There are only certain things you can walk in the area of authority of uh, uh, until you experience it. We, by and large, as the church, have had a great theology or knowledge base of what Jesus Christ did, who Jesus Christ is, and what Jesus Christ accomplished, but we walk in very little authority to do what Jesus Christ did, flip what Jesus Christ flipped to make flops turn into something amazing. Yeah. 
So we got to go as a church from a knowledge base or a theology base about Jesus to an authority base on Jesus and an experience with Jesus. Some things you will only gain authority in when you've gone through them. And sometimes when you go through them, it's about more than you. Sometimes you've gone through something so God can give you an authority in something so you can look back and find somebody trapped in it and bring them out of it. So God wants you in your life to understand that what you're going through right now, it may be a flop of a situation, but when Jesus comes on the scene, he wants to flip it, but it's more than you just getting a good life. And believe me, I want you to have a good life, but I want you to flip other people's lives so they have a good life. And watch what God can begin to do as we flip it. And so John chapter number 11, verse number 25 said this, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Everybody say resurrection. Resurrection. Everybody say the life. life. Many times when we read those verse and we read those two terms, we think of them as, as synonymous or the exact same definition. But I'm telling you, if Jesus qualified, he is the resurrection and then he qualified, he is also the life. There's a difference between resurrection and life that he wants us to tap into and find out what it's going to be about. And so the flop of the situation that we're talking about right now, it takes place in a city called Bethany. And the title of this morning's message is is called The Impossible Project. The Impossible Project, because Jesus is walking into an impossible situation. This is the account of Lazarus, where Jesus is nowhere close to Lazarus. He gets note that Lazarus is about to die. He tells his disciples, we're going to stay here two days longer. He knows that Mary and Martha are going to be mad at him. And you don't want to make women mad at you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus qualifies in the first part of the story that I love Mary, I love Martha, and I love Lazarus, but yet I've got to wait here two more days. There's a sick man in the story called Lazarus. The sick man becomes the dead man in the story. How many of you know the problem just escalated? Jesus also has somebody in his own tribe of people called Thomas. Thomas says this to Jesus when he says, we got to go to good Bethany. He said, good, let's go together. We'll all die along with you. <laughs> got to love the encouragement of a Thomas. We all got a Thomas in our tribe, right? Sure, Joel, let's go. We'll just die along the way. Jesus is not asking, Jesus is not asking you to die for him today. Jesus is asking you to live for him today. But many of us have the verbiage of Thomas. I'm willing to die for Jesus today. Jesus is saying, I rose again out of the grave, not so that you would die for me, so that you would live for me because I am the resurrection and the life, not the resurrection and the death. But in the house of God today, we got people more than willing to say they'll die, but we've never really lived for the Savior that we say we love. And in fact, our mindset is more of Thomas is, come on, Jesus, I'll go with you whatever you want and I'll die for you. We all got a Thomas in the tribe. But I'm telling you, God even wants to flip a Thomas. Because I didn't go here in any other messages, but this is what happened after Thomas met Jesus and has put his fingers in his hands in his side. He was never called doubting Thomas anymore. He was believing Thomas. He was only doubting Thomas when Jesus was face to face with him. After he saw the resurrected Jesus, he was no longer doubting Thomas. Come on, that's good. 
See, some of you are going to have an encounter with Jesus this morning, and it's no longer going to be doubting so-and-so. It's going to be believer so-and-so. It's going to be, I'm flipping my impossible situation so-and-so. I may have doubted who God was and what he was doing in my situation, but after I encounter him this morning and his resurrection and his life, I'm going to flip the flop of this situation and turn my impossible situation into the miraculous situation that only God can do, and he's going to do it through you. That's how you begin to flip it. That's how you begin to, gain, begin to gain an authority. So we know that a situation is impossible. And if you'll download the app to TWBCSS app, you've got my full sermon notes in there. You'll have the whole transcript of what I'm about to say, but also the whole passage, passage of Lazarus. And I want you to read that this week. And read how Jesus flips every single flop in that account. And how he did it. And he said this, If you believe, you will see the glory of God. I'm telling you in the house this morning, if you believe, you will receive and you will see the glory of God manifest in your life. And so we're going to get you to a point of theology this morning to a point of experience this morning. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? We're going to get you from a place of knowing about it to an authority in it and to use it. And so Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. And we know Easter is all about celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But many of our celebrations fall drastically short of where they should. Many of our celebrations stop short of what Jesus really wants us to celebrate. There should be a synonymous celebration in your resurrection celebration of celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, but also celebrating the resurrection of Jesus and his power in you. Because when Jesus was raised again from the grave, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the grave lives and dwells in you. And if we're only celebrating Jesus coming out of the grave and not the power that dwells within us now that raised him from the grave, we're only celebrating half the Easter story. We don't sing, if he walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. The only way we can walk out of the grave too is if we have that same resurrection power in you and in me. And so I'm telling you, if you believe this morning, you will receive and see the glory of God. Romans 8:11 is this verse. It says, but if the spirit of him, of God, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life. Everybody say life. life. He will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So God is saying that the very same power that raised Jesus from the grave, that same power lives and dwells in you, and that power is going to give life to your mortal body that you're living in now. So to truly celebrate Easter, we got to celebrate Jesus' coming out party, but we got to celebrate your coming out party. Amen? If you're coming out this morning, give God a good hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody. The issue when we read this verse in Romans 8, 11, it says, but if... The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The terms in the English language and the English vocabulary, but and if, are always used in our vocabulary as questioning terms. So anytime we say, um, I believe in the will of God, if, if you say, if it is the will of God, you're questioning if it really is his will. It's a questioning term. If we say, I love you, but... <laughs> It's a questioning term. See, God didn't do that. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't say, for God so loved the world, but do we understand the difference? Many times as believers, we say, we love this about church, or we love God, but... Well, if you throw the question in there, it means you have an issue, a flop in your life that you got to let Jesus flip. 
Because Jesus doesn't want you to question anything about the scriptures. He wants to give you an authority in the scriptures so you can turn your question mark into an exclamation point. He wants to make it where you can turn this question of but or if into an exclamation point of no doubt, no doubt at all, he will, and he's already done. And so when we use the terms but and if, many people read this, and because our mind is conditioned to think in terms of but and is and it and questioning terms, as we read the scripture, our subconscious kicks in more than we realize, and we read the scripture with a questioning eyesight of it rather than a faith eyesight of what Jesus has done in it. And so we've got to reverse this trend in our life and even the way we read the scripture and about the power of God. So many people begin to question the scriptures and the will of God for their life. So let's put an end to this question. Amen. Amen. In this term where the terms but and if are, if you actually look it up in the Greek and get the proper translation of it, but and if literally mean this moreover or more than. Moreover or more than. So when you read this verse, you should be able to read it like this. Moreover or more than the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. And I love the term more than. Because you got more than just resurrected power dwelling in you when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead to give you that resurrection power also to give you all the power of the Holy Spirit also open up an avenue of the kingdom of God where all of heaven can come in and encounter your life in an amazing way so you got way more than just resurrection power you got resurrection power you got the power of the Holy Ghost you also got the power of all the kingdom of heaven that's awaiting on you and this is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 Jesus or father your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven he opened up an access panel for you to tap in right into the presence of the God the Father Almighty so when it says but or if you need to read it like this more than the spirit of him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so Jesus at this point is trying to tell you, I want to get you a lot more than just a power source. I want to get you into an authority to use the power properly. How many of y'all remember when you turned 16? Right? Okay, we got three people remember when If you remember when you turned 16, hold your hand up real high. Y'all ain't that old. I remember you know back to 16. What did you love about turning 16? You would get your driver's license. Jeremy, I remember when I got my driver's license. And you know what? I didn't need an excuse to leave the house to go drive somewhere, you know? I mean, if mom needed milk from the grocery store, hey, mom, I'll gladly go get that. Why? Because I wanted to drive. I wanted to use the new power that was given to me with the authority of a driver's license. The same thing happened with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you'll look at it like this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you'll adopt it in this sense, is your spiritual driver's license to bring you into a place of power, to bring you to a place in the kingdom of God that you can go that you couldn't go to before. The reason you love a driver's license is because now you've got the freedom, the authority, and the power to go to a place you couldn't get to on your own. Come on now, that's good. In the spirit life, it's no different. He's given you a license to drive the kingdom of God, to bring you places in the kingdom of God that you couldn't go before. And it's to do this one thing. It's to flip the flops that are going on in this world. It's not to just hoard up great things for yourself. Sure, God wants to bless your life. More than wants to bless your life, he wants to give blessing to you, but he wants to get it through you. 
He wants to use who you are to bring his kingdom to pass here in the earth. And so with that, you have been given keys. The Bible says this, and we love this quote, Jesus took the keys to death and the grave, right? Well, with that, if Jesus took them, and he said, all authority driver's license has been given unto you, go forth in my name, and he's still holding them, we're missing out on something. Believers have got to grab a hold of the keys if you're going to drive the car. You got to grab a hold of the keys that Jesus paid the price for. Because Jesus can give you a license all day long, but if you're still letting him hold the keys that he's openly offering to you because of his death, burial, and resurrection, you are going to miss out on driving in the power of God that he's called you to drive in. God is trying to say, Jeff, take them. Go into all the nations with my authority, my passport. Come on. Get out of the United States, somebody. Take your driver's license and change it to a passport and go places where you've only dreamed about going because he said he's given you more than the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the grave. He's given you access to the power of the kingdom of God. You've got to grab the keys because until you put the keys in the car, you're not going to experience the power of the truck. Some of you guys this morning, I'm just going to tell you this. God wants to upgrade things in your life. But you haven't even took the keys to the first vehicle he's given you. God's got some amazing things down the road for many of you spiritually and physically and financially and in your marriage and in your kids. But if you don't take the first set of keys that he's given you and learn how to drive the driver's training car that he's trying to get you in, you're never going to drive the truck that he's got waiting for you. Come on. Do you understand the spiritual illustration I'm talking here? He's trying to get you to a new place in Christ Jesus that we've never been before. But we've got to get there if we're going to transform the world. So let's put an end to the question of but and if because it's more over or more than. When you are born again, there is no longer a question. You have the power and you have the authority of God living on the inside of you. That same power that raised Jesus from the grave. You have been given that license to use it in the kingdom of God. But it goes on. It says, but if or moreover, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now that term, the dead, that is used in there twice, in the Greek it's the term nekros. Now I'm bringing out a bunch of Greek words today because I want you to get the proper interpretation of the scripture, not just the translation that you're reading it out of. Okay, there's a big difference. I want you to get the spiritual interpretation of it, of what God's saying through it, not just your English vocabulary. I'm trying to move you from theology to authority. I'm trying to move you from knowledge to experience. And if we don't find the true interpretation of it, we're going to be stuck with knowledge and theology. But when we find the true interpretation of it, we're going to move from theology and knowledge to authority and experience. And so as we break down a couple of these Greek words, don't get lost in the Greek word that I'm using. Get lost in the interpretation because God's moving you from theology to experience then. And so as he's moving you, the Greek term here for the dead means necros, one that has breathed its last, lifeless. Acts 3.15 says this, you killed the author of life, but God, who, but God raised him from the dead, from the necros, and we are witnesses to this. Romans 4.17 says this, the God who gives life to the dead or life to the necros and calls into being things that were not. If you have not noticed, God does one thing really, really, really good. He brings life into things that are dead. 
that ought to cause a shout of praise across the auditorium. So whatever's dead in your life, you got the power of the living God available and accessible to you because you got the authority, you got the keys, you got the license. He's waiting on you to tap into the power of the life-giving power of God to touch your dead issue, whatever it may be. So let me ask you a question. What things in your life have encountered necros, they're dead and lifeless, or on the verge of it? What things in your life have encountered necros, are dead and lifeless, or are on the verge of it? And let me tell, explain to you what on the verge of it means. On the verge of it means is it's just not exciting anymore. The marriage just isn't new anymore. Life is mundane. Life is normal. It's breathing on necros right now. It's almost dead. Some of your marriages are on necros, on life support, and you don't even know it because they're so normal you take them for granted. Come on, somebody. Some of you, your relationship with your kids, you think they're good, but since all they do is stay in the video game room in your house all the time, 24-7, your relationship with your kids is virtually on necros, but because you think that's the norm of society today, we don't even realize how close to lifelessness we are. Now, now here's the thing about finances. You know when your finances are on necros. Because the bank account shows you very clearly when your finances are on necros. Everything else is subjective to whether it would be necros or not. This is the good thing about money and dollars and numbers. You know when it's necros and you know when it's not. <laughs> Hallelujah. But what about your joy? What about your joy as a believer? You know, if the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love first and then joy, how come believers are not the most joyful people on the planet? See, joy in the house of God is encountering necros, and we don't even know it. We think it's normal to be disgruntled, upset, and angry as a church member, and angry in the house of God, and just not happy about life or anything. We don't even realize that we, our joy level in the house of God is encountering necros when God says, I need to bring some life back into the joy into the house of God. How about this one? What about your passions, your dreams, your desires? Five years ago, you had in your heart to write a book, but you still hadn't picked up the pen and started journaling. And now that dream's just a distant memory, and it's on necros. But for some of you, God wants to awaken dreams that you've uh, put in a tomb. Some of you, God wants to awaken desires that you've put in a tomb. And some things you've put in a tomb because you thought they were dead, you should have only given a pillow. See, they put Lazarus in a tomb because he was dead. And Jesus said, you probably should have just given him a pillow. I told you I was coming. Just because I didn't come on your time, Jesus said, doesn't mean I wasn't coming on my time. And because I'm coming on my time means it'll be an occasion for the glory of God. Some of you, your desires may have been put on hold by God for a little bit for the simple purpose. He's trying to make it about more than just you. He's trying to make it greater than you. And because it didn't happen when you wanted, you gave that dream or that desire or that passion a pill or a tomb when you should have only gave it a pillow. Yeah. But if you'll talk to the God who gives life again, if you'll talk to the creator of life itself, if you'll talk to the one who raised Jesus from the dead and gave him resurrection and life, if you'll talk to him about that desire, about that passion, about that joy, about that marriage, about that child, about that career, about that financial situation, about whatever you're going through, about the normal, mundane, boring life that you're so tired of, if you'll talk to him about the normal stuff, he'll bring life into what's normal and make it supernatural again. But the problem is we become so accustomed to necros, things being lifeless and dead, 
that we don't know what it's like when we encounter true life again. And Jesus brings it back from the grave. A lot of Christian walk, we resemble something that uh, we learned about in science as a kid, and it's called petrified wood. And petrified wood is this. It's wood that's fallen to the ground and because of over the time and the seasons and the days and the weeks and the months and the years, it's become so hardened and lifeless that it literally becomes stone, but it still has imprints of the life that used to be in it. Many of our lives as believers, we resemble petrified wood more than lumber that God can use to flip a flop of a house. You remember the day when you used to have joy coming to the house of the Lord. I love the verse. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Charles will tell you that verse when you walk in the door. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Now it's, we got to go to church. It's Easter Sunday. Now we all got to go to church. I can't just send the wife and kids anymore. I got to go. Right? Come on, somebody. You used to have life in you. But now you're just a petrified fossil with the imprint of what life used to be. And I'm telling you, only the God of all transformation, only the God of all mankind can make a heart of stone into a heart of flesh again, according to the word of God. And he can make that fossilized, petrified life that you used to have come back to life to be the joyous occasion that it once was before times and seasons and tragedies and hurts and everything else begins to pile on. And it's all the circumstances and situations and issues of life that piled onto this fresh wood that had life in it that now has become a heart of stone I don't understand how we can read this verse and it says the very same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives and dwells in you how does the life giving spirit of God sit right next to something dead in your life and the life giving spirit not jump over and transform it it's because you haven't given it permission you haven't given it permission. I know that marriage sucks right now. I know that third marriage isn't going the way you planned it to go. I know those kids are rebellious right now. I know those kids aren't turning out like you thought they should. I know those financial situations when they come. We've gone through some financial situations in my household as of late. I know those financial situations when they come. I know about the unexpected doctor visits. I know about the unexpected funerals. I know about people dying before they should. I know about all these things because I've experienced all these things. But in the experience of all these traumas that keep building up and piling on, if I keep my deadness right next to his life-giving power, his life-giving power will overflow into my deadness and start bringing something back to life that once was dead. I just got to give him permission to touch it. What's so deep in your heart that you've let it become petrified that you need to give God permission to touch this morning? What's that hurt? What's that church hurt? What's that abuse? What happened when you were in third grade? What happened at the uncle or aunt's house? that nobody knows about what happened in the secret dark places that you've let circumstances in time pile on and buried and you think it's healed but it's actually only petrified it's actually only petrified 
And you once had signs of life of joy as a child, but because of the abuse that you encountered, you don't even enjoy looking back at your childhood. One minute destroys one life if you let it stay destroyed. But if you'll let God touch it this morning. Those of you who've gone through a divorce, if you'll let God touch that place. I don't care if you're remarried already. I hope it's happy and blessed and blissful. I hope, but I hope you let God go back and touch it. And bring life into a hardened, scar-tissued heart that he drastically wants to transform. So he can give you an authority in it so you can walk people out of it when they're dealing with it. In the name of Jesus, let him touch your heart. Let him begin to flip your flop of a lifestyle. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do. He wants to flip it. Romans 8, 11 says, But if moreover the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. And it specifies mortal bodies here because Paul wants you to know who he's writing to. A lot of times in our Christian faith, we put off the blessings of God until we get to heaven in the distant by and by. And literally, God's saying right now, he wants to give life to your mortal bodies that are breathing here in the earth so you can encounter the kingdom of God now and not have to wait for it one day. Now, the fullness of it will occur one day, but you can start getting in on it today. And he says he will give life to your mortal physical bodies while you're here on this earth. And Jesus said this back to the very first verse we read. I am the resurrection. I am the life is what he said. He or he, he makes a distinction between these two terms. He distinctifies. Do you like that? He distinctifies. I'm, I'm going to make up my own word here. He distinctifies two words, resurrection and life. He makes a distinction between the two words. Why? Because resurrection literally means to bring back to existence. Life talks about what kind of existence he wants you to have. See, if he just said Jesus is the resurrection, he would have brought him back to life, but it would have been the old life that he walked in, not the new life he was bringing him into. In your life, he wants to resurrect you, not to just give you the old life you did have because you would be better off dead, but he wants to resurrect you to give you the new life that he's got planned and in store for you. He wants to bring you to a place of completeness in him. Now listen, the word give life in this text means this, zoe poieo. And what that means is zoe, it's the life of God that's described in Genesis. It's the zoe life of God, the God life that can only come from heaven. And gives means to do. So if he's saying the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave lives and dwells in you, and he gives your life, uh, and he gives your bo mortal body life, that term gives and life means God life to do. He's given you God life to do this thing in church. He's given you God life to do this marriage. He's given you an authority is what it's saying. He's given you God life to do. He's given you God life to do that education. He's given you God life to do that thing that nobody else wants to do. He's given you God life to raise them wonderful kids that he put into your life on a purpose for a reason. He's given you God life to do that career that you think is miserable right now. But the problem is you got to start doing it with God's life and not your life. You got to start doing it with God's power and not your power. If we don't step into doing it with the God life to do, we're always going to go back to the miserable existence that once was but when we'll step into the God life to do he gives me and my wife the ability to stay married and stay joyful in our marriage because we do it with God life to do 
He gives us the ability to preach over and over and over because I don't do it with my life. I do it with God life to do this thing called pastoring. In your life, he's given you God life to go back into that school and be a teacher and transform the lives of children. You just got to walk back in Monday with a resurrected God life doing it in, not a resurrected old existence that you're walking back into. You've got to just change your perspective of how you're doing what you're doing. He's given you God life to be that doctor. He's given you God life to be that lawyer. He's given you God life to be that nurse. He's given you God life to be on the ambulance. He's given you God life to be a first responder. He's given you God life to fix air conditioners. He's given you God life to do whatever he's called you to do. And what you're currently doing in the kingdom of God is what he wants to give you life and pour into you to do it in. So my question is, what have you been doing that hasn't been God life? Because if you've been doing it for too long, you're going to be miserable at it. Jesus, at the end of this account with Lazarus, he said this, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out bound in grave clothes. And Jesus told others to unbind him and let him loose. Why do I bring that as part of the story up? Because some of you think you can get through your impossible situation by yourself when actually it's going to take somebody else standing around this auditorium to unbind you and let you loose. It's going to take somebody else to step into your impossible and help you flip it. If you could have already flipped it on your own, you would have already done it. But many of you will stay standing right in front of your chair thinking, ah, he's talking to somebody else, and I'm not. I'm talking to you. I'm talking about that impossible situation. I'm talking about that impossible marriage or that normal marriage that you need life to come back into because it's about to breathe its last. If you could have fixed it already, you would have already done it. If Lazarus could have unbound himself, he would have done it, but he couldn't. So Jesus said, unbind him and let him go. We've got people around this auditorium qualified to lay their hands on you, to pray with you, a prayer of faith, a prayer of encouragement, a prayer of healing, a prayer of freedom to unbind you and let you go. Because once you've walked out of it, you now got an authority in it and you can set other people free too. So in just a minute, you're going to have the opportunity to pray with one of these amazing people. But first and foremost, let's get first things first. Do you really know Jesus Christ? I mean, do you know him? Well, yeah, I was saved back on vacation Bible school. No, stop. Today, April 21st, 2019, sitting in the blue chair that you're sitting in, you need to ask yourself this question. Do I even know who this Jesus is? Because many of you are in love with the kid version of Jesus that you met years ago, and you need to have a fresh encounter with the resurrected Jesus, the living God, today. And if you need to answer that question, go to any one of these ministers that are around here. They want to pray a prayer of faith with you. They want to make sure that you know who you're talking to in Jesus Christ. The live, the resurrected version. So what's your impossible? Go to somebody. Let them set you free. If you need to know Jesus, go to these people standing. They want to pray with you. If God's calling you to take the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got um, some ministers over here who want to serve you. If you'll line up between section one and section two, I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. As you're standing with me this morning, what is it? What is it? What's the one thing? 
everybody has their number one problem I got a number one problem and when God fixes that number one guess what number two goes to number one I just don't have a number two problem so it can be big it can be small it doesn't have to be impossible it just needs to be fixed why would we not fix a leaky sink in a house before it destroyed the whole foundation will you get God to fix something small in your life so it doesn't lead to something catastrophic whatever your circumstance whatever your situation now's the time to go let's let God touch it heal it and transform it and let him flip your flop right now in three two one the altars are open